Welcome to Uplifting Women podcast. This podcast is sponsored by upliftingwomen.net, as well as Holly Tesca Coaching and Consulting and Regent Leadership Group. Join our co-hosts, Holly Tesca and Kristen Strunk, thought partners in the world of leadership, equality, and personal and professional development. Listen as they bring stories of inspirational women and their allies who are working every day for authentic leadership, equality, and inclusion in business, education, and community. These are the stories of the people whose mission it is to ensure others are seen, heard, and respected. They've overcome challenges in the workplace and the world or supported other women in doing so. Holly and Kristen are committed to uplifting women's voices, sharing inspiration, advice, and maybe even a few laughs from women and their allies about the work they are doing to promote inclusion and equality in our world. They believe that by sharing stories of challenge and triumph, we can all make the world a better place as we inspire others to step fully into their personal leadership space. We are so happy you have joined us today for our conversation. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Uplifting Women podcast. This is Holly Tesca, and I'm here with my co-host, Kristen Strunk. And today we have the honor, the privilege of bringing to you Sahara Rose DeVore. She is a wellness travel coach and the founder of the Travel Coach Network, a global community of travel coaches. Sahara went from broke college student to traveling to 84 countries solo to becoming the CEO of her travel businesses. She truly believes that travel has the power to alter lives. I have to agree with you on that, by the way. I think Kristen does too. She's convinced that there's more to a travel career than just blogging and booking trips. And that led her to creating the world's first and only ICF accredited certification program for travel coaches. Sahara is a published author, global speaker, TEDx speaker, and has been in over 140 media outlets for her travel and business expertise, including Forbes, Travel Weekly, Condé Nast Traveler, and CNN Travel. Sahara was also named one of 2023's most influential women in travel by Travel Pulse. That's a really nice honor. Congratulations, and thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you ladies today. So this is a new one by me. I have to tell you, I've not heard of a travel coach. So I've got, I number one, I need to learn more about that. But more importantly, where I'd love to start is what created, what took you down this path in the first place? And so go back in history a little bit and tell us what started it all. So I actually, I don't really know. I never thought that I was going to be an entrepreneur. I'm an only child to a single mom. I grew up in a very middle-class family. No one really traveled anywhere outside of, we took the family van down to Mexico to visit my grandmother's family and up to Canada to visit my grandfather's family when I was very little. So I remember bits and pieces of that and no one traveled for business. My Actually, my grandmother just passed away couple years ago and never been on a plane in her life. So with the name like Sahara Rose, I think it was just destined for me to be a wanderlust somehow. But for a very long time, I did not know that. And it wasn't until like my high school days, I had heard about this concept of backpacking Europe. And I said to my best friend, hey, we should take a year off before we start college and try this out. Of course, our parents didn't let us do that. So we didn't. And then, so I went to university 
And I was never someone who knew what my career path was. I have a lot of different skills, a lot of different interests, a lot of different talents, but I was never passionate enough about something. All my classmates knew what they wanted to major in, that they wanted to be doctors or lawyers or teachers or whatever it might be. And I was just trying a variety of different things and which is okay to do. That's there's so much out there to learn. So I was just becoming a sponge. Is my second year, my third year of university, I was actually changing universities, but coming back to the Midwest, and I had a very small window of time to find a new university to enroll in and a new city to live in. So I found a university in Chicago, and it had a hospitality and tourism management program, and I said, hey, who doesn't like travel? That sounds cool. So I enrolled and got in, moved to Chicago, and that two-year program I was really inspired by all the foreign exchange students in my class. It was the first time I'd ever heard how easy it was for people to travel throughout Europe, throughout Southeast Asia and trains and buses. You know, we live in the U.S. It's such a big country that it takes a while to get somewhere. Um, and I, it just opened my mind to, hey, there's so much more out in this world, but I was just like a lot of college students where I was struggling to get by. I was just paying my bills, my expensive rent in Chicago, and I didn't have family to turn to to help me or anyone else to help me financially. But I made a pact with myself and I said, I'm going to figure out a way after I graduate. I want to go travel somewhere. I want to go to Europe. I want to try this backpacking thing out. And I changed my money mindset from that day on. So the next two years, I worked my butt off. I worked about five different jobs while also full-time in school and saved my money. And upon graduation in 2010, I had enough money saved that I said, okay, I'm going to go to Europe. And I bought a one-way ticket to Ireland. And I thought I was going to go for a month and a half. And I got bit by the tra travel bug, like a lot of people do. And that was the catalyst to my 10-year journey to 84 countries. Wow. Wow. That's really cool. You, What you said with your name being Sahara Rose, I was almost tempted to ask you if it was a stage name. That I it get was. that off. I have gotten that quite a bit. But even before I started my businesses, but my mom That's just had a plan I guess so, or a premonition about what was going to happen, but that's really a cool story. And I don't think that it's so far off base for a lot of young people. You go to university, some folks are really very laser focused on, they know what they're going to do, but I don't know, in my experience, I still think the vast majority of college students are trying to figure out what they want for lunch today, let alone worry about what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. And so many of those folks, I think it's really, it's good to hear from others that have struggled with that same thing. It's like, boy, people around me know what they se seem to know what they want to do. Why can I not land on something? And I, I was that myself. So I get it. I get it. But very interesting. So how do you weave in the coaching aspect to that. Now, I totally get travel bug. I love traveling. I know Kristen does as well. The experiencing of different cultures, different foods, different ways of being. People are not all like Americans. That shocker. I know all of our listeners are just aghast right now. But 
experiencing those different cultures gives you so much insight into the rest of the world and helps you to have empathy for people in other parts of the world because they didn't grow up with the kind of privilege that we did. And I too came from a very middle-class family, nothing to write home about, but I still, when I go to other countries, I know how very privileged I am. So, so tell me about how does the coaching fit in with the travel? Since I had a degree in hospitality and tourism management, I honestly thought for a very like a lot of years that I wasn't going to do anything with this. I was just traveling. I was just traveling to live life, to figure out who I wanted to be, what kind of life I wanted to have. I was just having a great time exploring these different destinations. And I was gifting myself this time to just explore in so many different realms. And I told myself by the age of 30, I will figure out what my life, what I'm going to do with a career path and what is my life going to look like. But in that meantime, I had a lot of years to figure that out. And I always say I travel during a really prime time in the travel industry. For that decade that I was traveling, there was a, a really big shift in travel technology, social media, and how that influenced travel. So we thought, we saw travel agents turn to travel advisors. We heard about travel designers. We heard about travel blogging and travel writers and travel influencers. And I already knew of all these jobs that existed and then all these newer ones that came about. I still didn't feel like that those jobs or those careers were going to help me provide the value that I wanted and what I believed in when it came to travel. I believe that travel was so powerful to transform people's lives. That's why we travel in the first place. But none of these jobs allowed me to use that as a vessel, as a tool to help people. And so for a very long time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then when I turned 30, I opened my laptop in the north of Spain. It was the first time I traveled with a, a little notebook laptop. And I started Googling how to start an online business because I figured, hey, I haven't found what I'm looking for. I have to create it, I guess, myself. What am I going to create? What do I want to do? So I was learning of all these different online jobs and travel jobs. And then I stumbled across the coaching industry, life coach, business coaches, health coaches, wellness coaches. And something just clicked inside of me. And I said, I want to be a travel coach. That's what I want to do. So I decided that I want to focus in the wellness travel coaching. And I wanted to help companies value travel for employees and burnout and business travel burnout. But as I was growing that business, very soon after, I had many uh, travel agents and travelers online reaching out saying, hey, what's a travel coach? I, where'd you learn about this? I want to know about it. I didn't have a place. I didn't even go to Google, the Google travel coach. And something then inside of me as well clicked. And I said, I'm going to start what's called the Travel Coach Network. And I'm going to figure this platform out. So essentially a travel coach, though, is someone who doesn't focus on the planning and booking phase of a trip. Instead, they help people set intentions for trips and bring to the surface the realization of why they want to travel in the first place. Because when you can figure out where these motivating factors are coming from for wanting to travel, you can make better decisions on where to go. How, who to travel with, how long to go for, what kind of activities, experiences do you need? Because there's always an emotional connection to a trip that we're trying to go on, whether it's by ourselves, with family, even business trips, there's emotional connection to that as well. Relationship building, creativity, innovation, and more. So really using travel as this tool, this vessel to help people grow, heal, learn, and more. Fascinating. 
And I guess I've never even thought of it in that realm. So that's quite brilliant, to be honest with you. Intention for a trip. I have to tell you, I don't know that I could tell you I've ever had an intention for a trip. I just go for the fun of it, but that's probably because of my personality. I don't know. Kristen, do you, have you ever had an intention for a trip? I, I think when I've started to get into actually unplugging during my vacations, it, yes, my intentions usually became around just being mm-hmm. and just being present and practicing that when I mm-hmm. travel. Um, but I never thought of it, but I didn't really think of it as an intention. I didn't really think about it influencing what we were going to do or why we were going to do it or being that thoughtful about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even the business trip piece is also a little bit intriguing to me as well. So I'm, I am curious it, when you start to think about all of the different components that you're talking about, what are some of the aha moments that you've seen people have in your work where you can tell that this is resonating with them? My business structure for my wellness travel coaching business is corporate clients. So I work yeah. with companies themselves. But travel, most travel coaches work with individuals and have different transformations mm-hmm. within that. But with that said, in my realm of wellness travel coaching, some of the stories that I've heard of what business travelers do, because again, when I talk about wellness travel, I don't talk, I'm not talking about gyms, spas, yoga retreats, wellness Mm -hmm. centers, all of the things that pop up when you type in wellness trips. Instead, there's decades and decades of research out there on the emotional, the mental, the physical, the spiritual, the social and professional wellness benefits of travel. For example, spending time near bodies of water, blue spaces, spending time in nature, green spaces. There's a lot of research on how that lowers stress and anxiety. So I deliver a lot of this information over to the business travel industry because of the burnout epidemic that was happening and how just making a shift in how business travelers travel can not only improve their productivity and work performance based on research, it can also improve their well-being, which is something that they were really struggling with for a long time. So some of the things that I've heard is as simple as a business traveler who shared that he now takes photos of sunsets everywhere he goes around the world and sends it back home to his family so he can share that connection with them of what this destination looks like and where he's at. It's these simple little steps because especially in the business travel world, relationships had a big burden on them for families. People are away from their families, especially now with the pandemic where people had that gift to stay home with their families and now they have to get back on the road. So what does that dynamic look like? Um, business travelers who take a 20 minute walk near a body of water, a pond, a stream, the, a beach, whatever it might be to lower the stress levels in between meetings versus heading back to their hotel room and just sitting and ordering room service and watching TV. There's a lot that can be done in the world of wellness travel. But also in the side of just travel coaching in general, because travel coaches focus on so many different niches, the transformations are through the roof, whether it's women solo travel, women who have gone through a divorce and decided to travel and what they had done for them, or also people dealing with grief and how travel has impacted and healed, helped them cope as well, too. So it's really 
a growing industry and it's, I'm learning by the day of all these different ways that travel coaches help people through travel. And it's interesting to hear you talk about women traveling solo, right? So when you got on the road for the very first time, it sounds like that's what you did. So tell us a little bit about some of those unique situations that women typically face when they do travel by themselves, even if it is for business. Let me also share that, Holly, you mentioned, I like to travel for fun. I never thought I had an intention. There's still an intention in there. Whether you're traveling for fun with your friends, that's a a social connection that you're looking for. Whether it's to leave your work aside, that's that disconnection from your busy routine. So there's always intention. There's always a purpose in there. It's now setting that intention beforehand to identify that purpose. And for me, and this is something I often overlook and I don't talk about, I, which I should talk about more, is I always give that pretty picture of why I decided to travel, which is very true, of course. But there's also another side of why I started traveling at 22 years old. I've always struggled with an anxiety disorder. And during those last couple of years of university, I was struggling with bouts of depression. And I was just very unhappy. I didn't know, I didn't want to live in the big city anymore. I didn't know, I had all these pressures, just like a lot of people have faced too, especially young people at a university, a lot of decisions to make. So I literally escaped and ran away and traveled somewhere to find myself to find what happiness meant meant to me. So that was my intention for my trip back then, even though I had, I didn't put those words to it, but I knew that my soul was calling for something more and I needed to find what life and happiness looked like and was defined by myself. But with that said, some of the things that women, solo women face traveling, it really depends on where you go around the world. I always say I'm like a, 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 there's a persona that I step into when I put I get my backpack on and I get into the airport. I'm no longer who I was 10 minutes ago. I now note that I have heightened awareness. I am aware of my surroundings, where my belongings are, where my important belongings are, my passport, my wallet, my phone. And I don't know. I think there's a lot more myths and stigmas around solo female travel than there is like actual things to be worried about though too i don't know i've been to some places where i didn't feel that my personal security was intact as a woman by myself and what made you feel that way first of all the number of people sleeping on the streets in parks being hawked by people on the street for money Mm -hmm. handouts things like that them calling you names if you don't give them something so i mean clearly that doesn't exist in all parts of the world right and i value the experience of being seeing those things because it makes me appreciate so much more what I have in my own life. But I don't know if I would have felt safe in those environments traveling by myself. I mean, I've definitely had my fair share of experiences like that. I tend to travel to places that are lesser known and off the beaten path. So I've been to places like Myanmar and India, all over Southeast Asia is where I spent the most of my time, Colombia, 
I like to be more with the locals than I am with the big cities. I, to be completely frank, I think that bigger cities and touristy destinations are a lot more dangerous and can, there's more risk for you than not just because they know the targets are there, like busy busy streets where they know that the tourists are going to be, are going to have money on them. They're going to be shopping. They're going to be looking all around. And with that said, you're not, I hear that a lot from people. And I'm thinking of all these different scenarios as you named each one of those. What I always say is that I lived in the big city of Chicago. I live in Milwaukee, which is my hometown. There are very sketchy areas in here. And I used to work in the restaurants. I would be leaving late at night at two in the morning, three in the morning on the red line in Chicago. Your safety is not guaranteed anywhere in this world. But with that said, I feel like I've had more riskier situations where in my hometowns and in Chicago than I did in these places where just, they're just a bit more curious. We're going to see poverty all over the world. We're, and a lot of it is a cultural difference, though, too, where the hawking comes into play, where, again, that's mostly going to be in touristy areas. And yes, I get very uncomfortable with those places. India was a, a struggle for me because I have anxiety and is so many people and no sense of personal boundaries. It's a cultural thing, but I then make a decision to go to a place where um, I'm in before certain, before the, it gets dark out, or I go down South to the beach area where there's less people versus Delhi or Mumbai. Um, so I'm making these conscious decisions. So nowhere in this world, and I've been to 84 countries all on my own, I had never felt like my safety was in jeopardy. I had been very uncomfortable in situations, but I think a lot of that was me putting my judgment on the situation than someone actually trying to do something for, to me, if that makes sense. Um, but like you said, this opens our eyes to appreciation, gratitude, compassion, empathy for what we have in our life, but also what we don't have in our life too, in our home country, our hometown. But that's what travel can do for you. I think it's really important for people to travel and to travel around the world globally. Now, I've not been to 84 countries. I don't think I've ever counted it up. It just gives you a very different perspective of even listening to the evening news. It it's, truly um, does. I always say that this world would be a lot kinder of a place if people traveled more versus listen to the news more. It's really easy to make a judgment on people, culture, a destination. When you are fed information, you're absorbing information versus if you experience, have an experience of your own, or you mm -hmm. even have friends from a home country too, um, getting to know them that we really are, despite all of our differences in this world, we're a lot alike and we all seek very similar things, whether that's acceptance, love, safety, on being understood. So it's really a remarkable experience to be able to go to all these different cultures. And that's one of the reasons why people, one of the top reasons why I ask people when they travel, they answer to learn about other cultures. We have an innate curiosity about other people. And mm -hmm. so we have to understand that our diff, there's going to be differences and what can we use with this information or what can we do with this information? And I think a lot of this has occurred with the globalization, that explosion that we've had in the last few decades where we are trading with countries. And it feels very, to your point, what we get fed in the news has a certain 
color to it, whether it's right or wrong. It's <laughs> news these days is not like just reporting the facts. It always feels like an editorialization of something or another. And I'm, uh, I want to touch and see and feel it myself kind of girl before I make a judgment on it. And I really think traveling the world has maybe not just more empathetic towards other countries, other parts of the world. It's also made me more empathetic about just the people within my arm's reach. Absolutely. It really shapes who I am as a person now in my own home country and hometown, how I treat other people, how I experience other people is all influenced on my travels. It's so easy for us, especially being in the U.S., to treat people a certain way when they come to our home country. But when you travel and now you're in someone's home country and now you are the one seeking acceptance and understanding and safety, it's different experience to be in someone else's shoes. And so I have a lot more compassion and empathy for those that I experience, but even how I treat waiters in restaurants, how I, the concept of money and what we're grateful for. All of this travel has just put so much in perspective. It's happiness to us. I've been to places like the Philippines after the biggest typhoon has hit and lived on an island and people were the happiest people I've ever met. I'm like, they had nothing and everything got taken away. They really have nothing. And they're the happiest, most grateful people and saying thank you to me and welcoming us in and feeding us, giving us anything they have. I'm like, I take that back home with me. I'm like, this means something into my life. How can I implement this? And travel coaching is about that too. How do you take your experiences and what you learn and apply them to your home life, your relationships, your work life and more? I'm curious too. And Kristen, I'm sorry, I've been the curious one today. <laughs> How do you help companies create better experiences for their employees? Because now, granted, I've not been on a heavy travel schedule in over five years, and it was before the pandemic, but I remember having to book on the cheapest airlines at the crappiest times in, this is, tr business travel is not glamorous, especially if you work for a big corporation that has lots and lots of rules and regulations about what you can or you can't do. I, toward the end of that, was feeling as though you guys, I'm giving you my time to go do this and you treat me worse than I treat my dog in terms yeah. of. So how do you help companies recognize the burden this places on their people? And I get it. There's always stockholders looking at the bottom line and mm -hmm. all the rest of it, but there is a cost. It may not be a monetary cost, but it's a human cost to clamping down so tightly on travel and not allowing people to travel in comfort, to be respected for the additional time that they're giving up for with their families or whatever, to be on an airplane or sitting mm -hmm. in a hotel someplace. So how do you help companies work with some of that? You're spot on with all of that but also a big thing the main thing is times have changed people have changed the industry has changed so companies are almost forced to wake up and step outside of their comfort zone 
like I said, before the pandemic happened, there was a roaring burnout in the business travel industry, increased health issues, which means increased health costs for companies, low productivity, poor company culture, poor company ambassadors for who they work for. And people are just unhappy, bad habits, smoking, drinking, all of that. And that was a problem that you see those effects in the company itself. So of course, the problem is that, of course, the bottom line is the most important thing for the companies, but they're starting to wake up and see that the bottom line is affected by how employees feel for, about themselves and about the company they work for. So because of the pandemic, it allowed people the time to reevaluate what matters to them, who they work for, how they spend their time, how they spend their time away from their family, if they want to get back on the road, what does that process look like? Because I'm not going to do what I just did for the past 10 years. And now that's why wellness has been scooped up in the travel business travel industry. And what has my approach on wellness travel has gained so much attention because I don't talk about what's already being done. And what's already being done are the apps and the tips and the hotel and choosing suppliers that have 24-hour gyms or Pelotons in the room. They're already talking about extra leg room or a certain amount of flights, make sure that you're in a business class versus economy. So that's not what I touch. What I touch is how can we put more intention and purpose to this trip and tap into all these, all this research, all these benefits of travel to not only improve the traveler's well-being, but also to overall imp positively impact the company because that's what research shows it can do. And so what I do is I go around to different companies. I do a lot of speaking, a lot of engagements at events. On, I share these various wellness benefits of travel and provide different tips to the travelers on even these small steps that they can take that aren't going to cost the company a lot. Of course, I talk about leisure and some companies are starting to incorporate that. So whether that's including a family member while they're on the road or allowing them to extend the days or a day or two for their trip or allowing them to not be gone on a weekend. So it's really what I'm passionate about is helping people be take advantage of the destination and the experience while they are there to better themselves, their well-being and better their overall productivity. Seems a no-brainer. You would think it's a no-brainer, but working with corporations, nothing is a no-brainer. There's a lot of legs to to kind of follow there, but there's been a lot of attention and there's a lot of nothing moves fast in the corporate space especially in the business in the travel space nothing moves fast it's a very stubborn industry that's been stuck in its ways for a very long time so whether i'm talking about wellness if we talk about sustainability we talk about whatever it might be changes are going to be slow so i'm just thrilled to see the interest and the attention that wellness travel has gotten and as far as i've gotten in the short five years sharing this messaging. Terrific. So when you think about the burnout that you've talked about and the exhaustion and the way that we're changing things, are you seeing organizations give travelers more autonomy around making some of their own choices and giving them some of that as part of the work that you're doing as well? A little bit. Some companies are a lot better on this than others. There's companies like E&Y that are, they actually integrated 
they're like, I think the first company to integrate their very own travel agency within their company to help with the planning and booking of the trips. But it really depends on what, what kind of, what's the word, like allowance they get for this. Sometimes it's incentives that they are earning towards too, especially when it comes to wellness. So if you make better eating decisions, you win a whatever it might be. So they're playing around with different things in the industry. So I'm really curious to see like what companies actually do moving forward. Because again, in the corporate space, no matter what topic it is, there's going to be a lot of talk. They're going to, they're going to check that box of wellness. They're going to check that box of company culture. They're going to check that box of DEI, but what actually is, what are the actions being taken there? And the outcomes, when you say, if we're making healthier choices with what we eat, then that conjures up, okay, so I'm a boomer guys. Anybody that's a listener that doesn't know that I'm a boomer that conjures up questions in my mind of what business is it of yours, what I eat, right? Mm -hmm. So now I recognize that there are other generations that are much more open with that type of information and willing to share it if there's a carrot at the end mm -hmm. dangling to entice them to do that. But these are all big considerations that you've got to take into account as you're thinking about this, but I, I completely love the idea of this feeling of embrace the moment. I'm there. I'm traveling, whether it's for pleasure or business, how do I make the most of that experience to make it rewarding to me and make me feel more engaged, more alive, more in tune with my fellow human beings, wherever they are in the world so that I can become a better global citizen and for me, that's where the money, the money sits. How do we create more global citizens, people that really understand the challenges, the benefits of living in different countries? And again, not to beat a dead horse, but those of us in America, we have this very beautiful set of rose colored glasses that many of us look through and think the whole rest of the world operates that way. And not really. And that's not to say we don't have our own challenges in this country, but I think you're right. I think there's a lot to be said about the power of travel and how it can impact your life and your view of the world and even your view of yourself and what you are there to contribute. So I, I really yeah. love it. Love the idea. Wonderful. It's really about companies too, starting with just empowering people to take control over their own well-being versus enforcing anything in there too. Again, not at wellness looks different to everyone. Everyone struggles with something different at different stages of their life. We travel, we're a different person every time that we travel. That's the same thing for business travelers. Maybe there's a loss in the family. Maybe you just got married, whatever it might be, maybe we're struggling with health issues this week. So we're different people every time we travel and travel can, if we put intention to these trips, there's 
a powerful purpose that can come out of each of them. We understand the overall purpose of a business trip to make a sale, to build a relationship, to land a deal, to get a contract signed, whatever it might be. But there's so much more to a purpose of a business trip and why travel is that key element for business growth in the first place to tap into that and really start rethinking how we look at travel as a whole. I think uh, it's a great way for your employee who may be trying to break into a new market to get to know and understand that market, not only mm-hmm. through the lens of the appointments that they're able to get, but also through the lens of what is it like to live here, right? Mm-hmm. What is it like to operate in this environment? What are the things that people get excited about? So I... I hadn't thought about it that way, but this has been very enlightening, very enlightening. Thank Love you. it. The only thing that's left that I'm really curious about is how your experience with travel, you talked a little bit about creating your own space from a business perspective, but what are some of the things that you experienced that allowed you to move past some of that anxiety and move into entrepreneurship and leading this entire network? of travel coaches worldwide and how has that really changed the way that you perceive yourself even that's a really great question and that's a really great question for your audience Uh, i am a big believer in paving your own path i knew at 22 years old when i graduated university that sitting in a corporate office and being told when i could go on a trip or when and I can have off or whatever it might be was not going to make me happy. So I listened to my gut and my heart and I knew that route's not going to be for me. I don't know what my route's going to be, but I know that's not for me. And then when I was traveling, I just, again, I followed what I believed in. I didn't listen to the noise of people saying, these are your only options for a career in travel. If you are passionate about travel, you must be a flight attendant, a travel agent, work in a hotel whatever it might be. I said, no, that's not what I want to do. What else is there? There has to be something more. And I really used my time traveling to learn why people were traveling. I had tens of thousands of conversations with people all around the world and understood why they were traveling, what travel meant to them. And I said, what? And I also spent a lot of time doing research on the wellness benefits of travel, but then also why companies weren't valuing travel itself too. And all of this information that I collected and that I researched showed me voids and shortages in the industry. And I said, why are people not valuing travel or traveling with intention when we have a purpose for why we travel anyways? How come the industry doesn't talk about that? How come travel is not marketed that way? I just had this innate curiosity, just looking around the world was also why, why, why does the industry not work this way? And again, I'm not someone that settles for anything. And I'm also not someone who feels like I need to do something because someone told me to do it or told me that, that these are my options or someone has an opinion that I shouldn't do this or that doesn't make sense or that's not a thing. I follow my own path and I figured that out. And I really encourage people to your listeners to do that as well, whatever that might look like for yourself, whether it's in your relationships, whether that's in your career, in your personal lives, in your talent, in your passions, whatever it is, 
because it's really easy to get sucked into this world of all the noise out there. And people say, nope, shouldn't do that. That's not a thing. No one's going to buy from you. No one's going to listen to you. No one wants to work with you. That doesn't exist. I hear it all the time. You know, it's not a thing. I can't do that. I must do this. And then now that's why there's so many travel agents coming into the travel coach networks. They're like, I thought this was my only option. This is what I was told. If I love travel, I have to book trips. I'm like, no, you don't. Let's talk more. What is it that you want to do? How do you want to help people? And so I guess this is a long answer, but really I didn't, again, I didn't know I was going to be an entrepreneur, but I, my journey just traveling and I just always, I believe that everything happens for the right reason at the right moment, whether we understand that now or we understand that later, I just put myself into the universe and just figured out what my path was going to be. And all of these ideas came and fell into my lap and I just took action, which is a big thing that you have to do. It's one thing to have an idea. It's one thing to have a passion, but if you don't put action to it, I've never been someone who says I'll do something and I don't do it, whatever that is. And I learned along the way I invested a lot in my personal growth into my business growth and figuring out what this approach to wellness travel at the same time as what travel coaching looked like too. And fast forward five years, I think it's five years, a little over maybe, that they're booming into what they are today. And I'm still learning every single day. I think it's a fascinating concept. I, I love the originality, the creativity, the you're taking something that probably a lot of us have taken for granted for a long period of time and elevating it, which is, it's brilliant. It's simply brilliant. Um, Before we go, are there any words of advice or tips you want to leave our listeners with and certainly then give them a little pitch about where they can find you? I guess that's the only thing I really want to say is just, I really just, everyone has, we all are worthy of having the life that we want. We're all worthy of being heard. We're all worthy of having our ideas put into action and tried. And we have a lot of noise in this industry of social media and society and family and friends that you have to stay true to who you are and what you believe in. And you have to be consistent as well. Consistency is everything because we're in an, we're in a time where everyone wants instant gratification, instant success. And even though that may be the case for many people, it's not the case for everyone. And it's not a common case either that if you believe in something enough and you just keep on going for it little by little, every single day, I promise you that you will eventually get there. And that's even as simple as if you want to travel somewhere, saving and you don't have a budget for it, saving little by little every single day. And I promise you, you will get there. If I can go from a broke college student to figure out how to save money to travel to 84 countries without ever going broke, never having anyone fund my travels, and then bootstrapping two businesses and taking these newer concepts global, literally anyone can do it. I'm not, I didn't have a specialty in anything. I didn't have help and support or investors or famous or successful business parents. Like, no, it's all about your passion and your dedication. And then where you can find me, if you want to learn more about my wellness travel coaching, you can find me at sahararosetravels.com or sahararosetravelcoach on social media. And if you want to learn about travel coaching, you can find us at thetravelcoachnetwork.com or the Travel Coach Network on all platforms.
Fantastic. Thank you so much for spending time with us today, Sarah. A very interesting story, very unique. And I really applaud your creativity and your courage to go out there and start something totally new and probably create a movement. That that's where the that, that's where this feels like it's going, if you ask me. So thank you very much and do stay in touch. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening in on this latest episode of Uplifting Women podcast. Holly and Kristen appreciate your dedication to Uplifting Women and look forward to you joining them again soon. This podcast is sponsored by UpliftingWomen.net, as well as Holly Tesca Coaching and Consulting and Regent Leadership Group. Please visit your favorite platform where you found this podcast to leave a review. If you are an uplifting woman or a man who champions women's success with a story to share, Kristen and Holly would love to talk to you. Please visit upliftingwomen.net and leave us a message.